the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, a year ago the preseason was canceled because of COVID, and a lot of people in many different professions had to learn to work around COVID-related changes to the way they did their jobs. Understanding that it was the same for each of the 32 teams, but what did you have to learn to work around with no preseason last year? We had to get our team game ready without the benefit of, of, of the environment that preseason games provide. There's so much realism in preseason play. Obviously, it's not regular season play, uh, but it is a notch above a practice, a practice setting. The drills that you do in practice are football-like. They're not football. Uh, football is played in preseason games. We all stepped into stadiums a year ago, man, not knowing a lot of things about our team. It's ability to adjust in-game, uh, the circumstance, its ability to transition from unit to unit on and off the field uh, with cleanliness, um, our ability to adhere to the play clock, um, our ability to match personnel defensively appropriately at real time, um, all of those things we were discovering in week one. Uh, we worked our tails off to, to prepare for it, but it's just very difficult to simulate in a practice setting. Uh, we had a, a rehearsal game, if you will, uh, here in Pittsburgh in the scrimmage setting. Not only was it a big day for us, but it was a big day for our stadium's operational people. And, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Everybody within our organization and other organizations had to be game ready on opening week without the benefit uh, of, of the rehearsal, if you will, that preseason provides. Do players, especially young guys, have to earn playing time in the preseason based on their performance in practice and then the understanding of their assignments in those practices? Partially. Um, if you perform well enough in practice settings, you're working in group one or group two, um, you know, group three is the group that gets a lot of attention in the preseason because at the end of August, man, there is no group three. And so what happens with the third group, people's ability to distinguish themselves in a practice setting that allows them to move up and have second group reps, um, how they perform in preseason groups uh, in preseason settings really determines what transpires. It is young guys, and there's a young guy focus, but I've really kind of narrowed the focus of our group uh, through this process to focus on first team, second team, third team, w with the understanding by September 12th there will be no third team. During your news conference earlier in the week, you mentioned that you wanted the young guys, even guys who uh, are anticipated to have significant roles in the regular season, you want them to understand what going through the process of getting ready to play is about. What is that process of getting ready to play? You know, when, when we travel to play or even when we have home games, we have a, a game itinerary, if you will. And, and, and in my mind, I think you're on the clock when the game itinerary starts. And it's important that you find rhythm in that preparation process, the things that you do to ready your body, uh, massage therapy, hydration, et cetera, uh, how we present the final elements of material to guys and how they receive it and getting comfortable with that process of night before the game meetings, the things that we focus on, uh, the things that they focus on individually because of that, uh, the routines that they have in terms of what it is they eat the night before the game, uh, the day of the game in terms of pregame meal. Um, I think young guys are exploring and discovering rhythm this time of year and what works best for them. And I think four preseason games provides an opportunity for them to establish that so they can position themselves to be at their best when the regular season starts. Obviously, there's a lot to be learned from play, 
um, and, 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 and there will be a mature, maturing process uh, from the play and the things that happen in-game. But the process leading up to play, from my perspective, is just, just as important uh, to optimize their performance. For an offense, what's hoped to be accomplished through the use of pre-snap motion? You know, we want to win the down before it starts. And, 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 and it's as simple as that. Uh, we want to be thoughtful about what it is we do pre-snap. Uh, we want to be, we want to work fast, but not in a hurry. We want to stress the defense. We want to stress their their ability to to utilize specialized personnel. We want to stress their ability to communicate and gain an understanding uh, about what's coming at them. Uh, we just want to pace the play. And so, you know, we're thoughtful about what it is that we do on offense. Sometimes we work fast. Sometimes we work slow. Sometimes we'll work on first sound. Sometimes we'll have pre-snap shifts and motions, all in an effort to gain an advantage and, and essentially try to win the down before the ball snaps. Can a job be won or lost in the preseason opener? Not necessarily in the preseason opener. Uh, one thing about the preseason opener is, you know, in the significance of the game is we know a heck of a lot more about these guys coming out of that stadium than we went in this stadium. And we're going to be surprised positively and negatively, and it's probably going to set the trajectory for the next seven days until we get into the next stadium. But we'll be looking for confirmation in that next stadium uh, of some things based on what we saw in the first stadium. And so a guy can really make a case for himself, but no, a job cannot be won uh, in the first preseason performance. So you're build, it's like building a, a stack of building blocks. The, the first game is the foundation, then you see, based on that, what you lay the next level, et cetera, et cetera. Is that an accurate? Uh... Without question. Uh, very accurate. Um, you know, um, this stuff is cumulative, you know. Um, in the first preseason game, man, it's like a test. You know, maybe the second one is like a midterm. You know, the third one is like the paper, and the fourth one's the final. You know, um, there's a process. It, it, it gains momentum and significance as we proceed through this process. Because what we want to know is what we're going to get from guys game in and game out, down in and down out. And so if a guy is real, um, forget his highs, there'll be a certain floor in terms of his performance and a certain consistency to his performance that's varsity. Uh, oftentimes this time of year I use the term varsity and JV because everybody understands what that means. Uh, I'm looking for consistent varsity performance uh, in terms of determining roles and divisions of labor. Uh, you always emphasize the jump you expect from players who are entering their second NFL seasons. Uh, Alex Highsmith, Chase Claypool have been talked about a lot so far this summer. But what have you seen from some of the other second-year players to be? I've been really pleased with, with the general growth and development of that group. It starts first and foremost with their level of conditioning, which displays readiness. And, and they should display readiness. They have an understanding of the challenges that lie ahead of them because they lived it a year ago. And all of those guys showed up in tremendous condition. Can't say enough about Anthony McFarlane and, and Antoine Brooks specifically, uh, two guys that showed up in, in really good condition and have been really consistent in terms of laying down varsity-like practices out here. Um, I expect that group to make significant jumps. Uh, I've seen it a lot. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention James Pierre as well. That's another guy that showed up in great condition and has made a bunch of plays out here. We're going to need significant contributions from that group. And, and, and to be honest with, honest with you, our level of expectation changes. Um, what was good for them a year ago, what allowed them to be contributors a year ago, what got them jobs a year ago, will not get them jobs in 2021. Um, and that's just a reasonable, reasonable expectation. 
they've displayed an understanding of that, and they've elevated their play, every single one of them. You mentioned James Pierre. He's a cornerback. Every, every team needs cornerbacks. How does a guy like that go undrafted? You know, it's just a lot of good football players in college football, man. There's over 120 college football teams, um, particularly those that don't get a lot of national exposure and, t- and attention via television, the group of five programs, if you will. Um, he, he went to one of those programs. You know, there's a lot of guys that are capable of playing. Our team is, is represented with a, with a lot of regional um, mid-American conference guys. We've got exposure to those guys because of regional television and, that, and the fact that their games are on TV during the course of the, the week and things of that nature. Um, a lot of those guys are from this part of the country. A lot of those coaches recruit the Pittsburgh area, and when they do, they come by and spend time with us, and we gain an understanding about some of those guys. I really think it's about exposure. Um, kids at big programs get big-time exposure. Kids at smaller programs uh, get less so. And sometimes quality players slip through the cracks. And he's definitely one that, in looking back at it, is draft-worthy, no doubt. Um, but, and we're glad we have him. Uh, but as you can see, um, and that's the beautiful thing about our profession, it doesn't matter by what means you get here. Um, if you have the skills and the metal uh, to stay, uh, you'll have an opportunity to carve out a role for yourself. Uh, in response to media questions about injuries during training camp to you, you have said that you don't have to report injuries at this time of the year, and so you choose not to. How is the league's injury policy determined, and who is involved in that determination? Um, it's the committee game. Um, you, you know, we, we strive for competitive fairness and, and transparency in season. And so, we're, you know, it, it's pretty spelled out for us that we have to be very transparent about who's available and their level of potential availability. And uh, I have no issues adhering to it. But during the time of year where we're not required to do so, I like to follow the lead of my guy Mike Sullivan and those in the NHL and just talk random body parts. You know, I've got an upper body injury, uh, and we'll see when he gets back. Um, It's really about transparency and competitive fairness in our game. And this time of year is not a big deal. And so I'm not going to disclose any pertinent information that I don't have to. you know, it's really about the safety and protection of the guys, man. Um, football is a game in many instances where there's less than ideal circumstances from a health standpoint. And if we don't have to put a bullseye on a guy or a guy's body part, uh, then we won't. Is there any, in addition to what you just mentioned about putting a bullseye on a guy's body part, is there any psychological game you're playing maybe with that injured player, maybe not to allow him to use that injury to seek comfort in how he performs or whether he practices or you know his approach to his business? There, there's a potential of that. I will neither confirm nor deny that. Um, but that's a, that's a solid line of thinking, certainly. Uh, what's this group shown you so far this summer? Man, I like their competes. This morning I was just talking about that term that we use in scouting, competes. Um, you hear it often, um, and, and it's really more centered around their will. And um, I've seen some strong will men. I've seen some guys that like football. I've seen some guys that don't shrink in the face of competition or adversity, and that's exciting. Uh, This is a huge weekend for the Steelers franchise, Uh, the team participating in the Hall of Fame game. uh, It's my opinion that you are participating in the Hall of Fame game because five members of this franchise are going to be inducted uh, in the days immediately after the game. Uh, Can you allow yourself any time to reflect on that or what it might mean to the franchise then and now? You know, not that I'm numb to it, but I'm used to it. It's just another example 
of the uniqueness of this organization and how good it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And it's about the men. Uh, it's about the men that are being enshrined. It's about the men that have come before us, that have set a clear standard, that have provided great clarity for us to aspire to. And um, it's an honor to do so. It's good to be a part of the Steeler gang, uh, and it feels like that. Uh, it's just great to be in the presence of those guys, you know. They're larger than life. And um, it's cool for me because I'm a football junkie and a football enthusiast. And so um, it, it's cool to be a, a part of something greater than yourself. And I hope that our guys feel the same way, and I know in many instances largely they do. They got an understanding of how special this is, and they appreciate it. And that's important. You know, oftentimes, men in life, we appreciate things you know, after it's over. And, um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to understand this and appreciate the gravity of this while I've lived it. And, and I aspire for my guys to do the same while they're here and, and, and a part of this.